a lifetime of training, practice, study, hard work. Through discipline, some achieve excellence, mastery, fulfillment, self-actualization. What can we learn from their beginnings, discoveries, motivations, and falls? How do they dust themselves off and resume their journey? During these interviews, stories, and conversations, we reveal their intrinsic drive. Molly Grant became a leather artist in her 20s, refining her craft during an apprenticeship at the Black Swan Leather Shop. She opened Molly Grant Designs, a fine craft gallery in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, selling her work along with local artisan jewelry, pottery, and glass. Molly loved to sew as a youth. Her mother bought her a piece of leather from one of her yard sale junkets, and she was hooked. In her 30s, Molly was juried into the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen show with her handbags. Spotting the bright colors and creative styles of the cordwainer shoes, she stopped in her tracks. This master fine craft leather artist reconnected with the timeless design of the Pathfinder shoe, remembered during a trip to that same show at 10 years old. Molly reconnected with the green leather and suede shoes from her childhood memory. And after a conversation with her future mentor, teacher, and husband, Paul Matthews, Paul invited Molly to apprentice and travel to gilded craft shows. Seizing the opportunity to learn the art of shoemaking, she closed her gallery, placing her handbags on the shelf. Molly and Paul soon married, were partners in the cordwainer shop, and worked alongside each other at their farm, creating wearable art, taking care of the land, and living the good life, as Paul would say. Today, Molly teaches workshops for students at craft and folk schools across the country and at her cordwainer shop. Molly is also creating new shoe and handbag designs. I so enjoyed my conversation with this talented, dedicated artist and craft teacher. We are thrilled to welcome Molly to this episode of Intrinsic Drive. Okay. Hey, Molly. Thanks so much Hi. for taking the time to join us today on Intrinsic Drive. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. No, it's awesome. It's great to be able to see you today. And take us to the beginning, you know, your genesis. Or it, was there an inciting moment? Was it seeing the Cordwainer shoes for the first time at yes. 10 years old? Was that yes, it? Was it, was. That it was. My family took us up to the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen Summer Fair that happens every summer forever. It's like 70, 80 years old now. And I was 10 years old walking through the tents and looking at all these different artists and what they were doing. And I, I felt myself getting kind of mad because I knew I wanted to be there, but I didn't know what I was going to do to be there. Wow. Okay. So, um, and then at that, that same day, I saw the cordwainer shoes and as a 10 year old, I just fell in love with them. They were the most beautiful shoes I'd ever seen in my life. And I still feel that way. Um, I was just blown over that they were made by somebody's hands, that somebody's hands put these gorgeous shoes together. And, uh, then it was, and that was actually, I was thinking before that was 54 years ago that happened because wow, wow. I'm 64 now. Wow. But um, so when I was, um, so I guess that's it. I mean, that's the defining where something happened. I, yeah. I didn't put it all together yet, but it happened. 
And I love that from reading your your book, and and it talks about you you saw the the, the green color and the way that they were handcrafted, and you're just like, yeah. but but I love the indignant nature too. Like I've got to be here. Like <laughs> I yeah, that, I just that knew that, that I wasn't I wasn't for the real world. You know, the real <laughs> I was yeah. a little bit different, and this I just felt immediately at home. That's amazing. You know, around all these artists at ten. Of course, I didn't do anything about it for a long time because I didn't really understand it. But anyway. No, that's amazing. And so let's go to your ascent then. It, was it in your 20s that you kind of felt yourself rising in your craft and becoming a leather worker? Was that uh, was there an event or a moment that sort of made that clear to you to work with leather and to follow that well, path? Well, I was, um, I sewn from the time I was 13, sewn okay. on clothes. Okay. And then wow. um, I was sick for a couple of years when I was 20, 20 and 21. And my mother was an avid yard sailor. And one day she brought home a piece of leather and I made a pocketbook out of it. And I just fell in love with leather. And so that's what I did until I was about 28. I moved to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I got a job at a leather shop. And I continued learning more about leather and sewing. And um, and then I got juried into the same league of New Hampshire craftsmen's where I'd been at 10, you wow. know, and seen. Oh. And so I was finally one of them. And um and so I went to my first craft show when I was in my thirties and um, early thirties. And I saw the shoes across the room. I was setting up my handbags and there was this nice looking gentleman laying the shoes out. And I just made a beeline to meet him. I was, and my heart was beating and, Oh, it was something, it was something. And of course he was excited to have somebody come over and be like all over these beautiful shoes. And we were together that whole week at the fair because he was selling his shoes and I was selling my bags and we became friendly. And um, about four months later, he called me and he said he'd been double booked for a craft show out in San Diego that he could not go to. Would I like to go and do it for him? And of course, I jumped on it. I'd never been to California before. So I went out to San Diego with my boxes of shoes. I think I sold four pairs of shoes. Which is not very good. But that was the start. And then shortly after that, he asked me if I wanted a real job uh, traveling with him and selling. And I jumped at the chance because it was, I mean, who wouldn't want to go do that? I mean, I guess if you're not, if you're an accountant, you wouldn't want to do that. But I was an artist and I, the chance to travel all over the country to see beautiful crafts and to sell our shoes, I jumped at it. So that's why that that is so beautiful. And it feels like that's the discovery for you, because now, you know, through these experiences and events, meeting Paul, seeing the shoes, is that when you sort of moved away from your own business, your own work? I did. I did. I put my handbags, as they say, on the back burner. And um, and I wasn't you know, my bags were my own creations and I could pick that up anytime I wanted to, but learning the cord wainer craft is something that you got to focus on every single day. And um, that's what I was doing. Paul and I would be working like Monday through Thursday. Then we'd hop in the car. We'd drive to New York city. We'd do a show at the park Avenue armory. And then we'd drive home Sunday night. We'd be back in the shop working on Monday. I mean, or we'd be flying out to the West coast So that's what we did um, for like 16 years straight. I did that with him. And that 
that brought us up to, um, you know, 2009 when he came down with cancer and then he passed away. Okay. Okay. Well, wow. You know, that's, that seems like it just kind of took you over because you had Molly Grant designs. You had a shop in Portsmouth, correct? I did. I did. And you were selling your handbags and other artisans. You had uh, sort of a, that was one of your dreams, right? I mean, yes, I always wanted to have a little, a little shop. Wow. That's amazing. But I gave, I gave it up. Yeah. And uh, to, to focus on shoes and it, didn't take long for me to fall in love with Paul and uh, we ended up getting married in 1993 and it was it was a really good it was as Paul would say it was the good life yes you know we had a really nice good life together and and super full it's felt feels like with with the travel at, at the trade shows the craftsman shows and then also in the shop and yep. then you're, you're, this seems like that's your drives. You know, it's, it's just, it's just bringing you into this. It's urging you forward. And, and mm-hmm. what were some of the external and internal forces and motivations during that time in your life? If we kind of stay with that period of you and Paul before he passed on? Well, um, we were busy making shoes. Like mm-hmm. I said, every day we had a farm. I moved to Paul's farm in, in Deerfield, New Hampshire. It was a beautiful 100 acre colonial home farm. And we worked for years renovating it on on the side when we weren't doing shoes, we were renovating. And we also had farm animals, I had mini horses and chickens. And then I, we both got into um, the peacocks. And we raised I had peacocks for 20 years. So and uh, that were free ranging. I didn't cage them. Yeah. And um, so we had a a wonderful farm life. And um, you know, I don't have anything negative to say about it. It was a lot of hard work. Yes. And uh, But Paul was, I used to call him the energizer bunny because he was almost twice as old as me. And I literally had to keep up with him. He was always go, go, go. Amazing. And he had a wonderful, positive attitude. And I learned a lot from him. That's unbelievable. And and passing it on from his father, right? For, from, yes. you know, the original patent, of the Antioch uh, shoe, which yes. was a- amazing how uh, in those times it was sort of fashion as the flapper era and the deco in the twenties comes in and well, looking for a shoe that's also anatomically and yeah. orthopedic. One, one of the first shoes that Paul's father designed at Antioch in Yellow Springs, Ohio was the Pathfinder, which is the, the book that I wrote yes. uh, about the Pathfinders and the history of the business. But they originally made it as a shoe kit that parents could buy to make shoes for their children during the depression. And it cost $2.75 to buy it back in the 1929. And of course that was a lot of money. And uh, then the crash came and things all fell apart. And so they had to approach the business in a different way. Okay. But I still teach that shoe today. That's one of my popular shoes that I teach. And that's still your, you know, your process of taking it on from Paul, who took it on from his father. Of, yes. it's, a, it's a four day process of, mm-hmm. of learning to put together your own shoes. So you, you mm-hmm. provide them with the student with all the materials. Correct. And these are, you're doing one right in North Carolina coming up in, uh, in April. Two weeks. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And then one up in the North House uh, f- Folk School up there in Minnesota. Uh-huh. And that'll, that'll be for a sandal, I believe, that you're putting together. I'm doing two classes, a, a Grecian sandal, and um, and I think it's the Pathfinder that I'm teaching. Yes. I also teach a boot, a desert-style boot, oh, and that's, nice. that's pretty popular. So when I teach in the fall, 
I like to teach the boot. When I yeah. teach in the spring, I like to do the Pathfinder Oxford. Nice. You know? Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, yeah. I think you already took us to that. And was was that moment of, of, of Paul's passing, was that sort of the lowest moment for you in, in your career or life overall? Or was there another? It was, yes. Um, because not only was he my husband, he was my boss and my travel partner. I mean, he was my everything. We spent every day together in and out. And so, yes, it was really loose. It was big. And I took care of him at home. He had cancer and we did hospice with him at home. So I had him at home for the last three months of his life. And, um, and there were really special times and special moments and, um, but it was hard. It was really hard. After he died, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, you think, oh, they're going to be dying and then they die, but yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not ready. No. You, you just can't be ready for it. No. And no. Um, so I think two weeks after he passed away, uh, there was the show, the American Craft Council show in Baltimore. And we went down and we did it because I wasn't going to cancel it. We had bills to pay. Yeah. And Paul, you know, I always used to think about that saying, you know, what would Paul do? Yeah. What would Paul do? And yeah. he would say, you're going to get up and you're going to go do that show. That's and that's what we did. Good for you. So yeah. we kept doing that. And um, I mean, might have been smarter to take a month off, but we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, in some ways to keep going, to keep honoring his legacy and especially his enthusiasm and his, you know, life's work and his craft that he passed on to you. In some ways it, it could, can be a healing maybe for you to be there and be. Well, it was, forward. it was, it was healing to be with, I mean, Paul has done shows since the 1960s. Wow. Craft, craft shows were kind of just starting in the, in the sixties. He would do, national health federation shows and beauty shows. And then the craft shows came on, on the scene. And um, so he knew literally thousands of artists from doing all these shows. And so going to Baltimore two weeks after he died was, it was hard because there were so many people there that I had to tell who didn't know that he had passed. Um, Yeah. But, you know, we did it, we got through it and it's been uh, 13 years now. And I always think um, when I'm working on something that I still in my head, I think I want Paul to be proud of me and because he taught me. Um, That becomes a driving force. It's almost like a mantra that's still there urging you forward. And yeah, as long as I make shoes, it'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that's beautiful. And how about the pivot for you? What steered you back on course, Molly? And what turned you around? Well, I don't know that I was turned around. I was pretty darn depressed. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, for, for at least, you know, at least two years, it was, it was a really hard time. Yes. Um, and business was tough too. Okay. Just, just getting on without, you know, people would come to the booth at a craft show And I remember one older man, I didn't remember him, but he stopped at the booth and he looked at me and he said, where's the old man? Meaning Paul. Right. Because we were always sitting together at shows. And I, and I said to him, I'm sorry, you know, he passed away. And this man said to me, he said, I've all, I only spoke to him once, but I'll never forget him. And then he's teared up and he had to walk away. Paul had an amazing 
he was a gentleman. He was a poet. He was very suave. He was an amazing uh, craftsman and people remembered him. And um, so that was really, really hard to get over that. I wasn't going to have him anymore. You know, that, that was the hardest thing that, that now I had to be the draw to bring people into the booth and stuff. And so that's, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this question fully. No, except- but that, that makes total sense, Molly. And so a personality and such a beautiful person and an energy that he created. And he people had an energy. wanted to be around him, you yeah. know? And so then there's the, there's the raw loss of losing your husband, but also losing the person that brought you into the work. Yeah. Um, so there's a combination of things. And then, and then of course, uh, there in the booths, people are coming to see you both and have such a connection, maybe a, a lifelong uh, continuity with him. Even if they didn't really know him, they they felt they did because of uh, th- that. What was coming through him? That transmission of all that beautiful work of building these shoes that are so beautiful and and just utilitarian and stylish, everything all in one. Um, mm-hmm. If you take us to a rollback we do on the show. If you had the opportunity, or what would you redo or do differently in your life, if anything? Well, that is pretty easy, actually, <laughs> which is that when I was 18, there was no way I was getting talked into college. But now that I'm an older person, I always tell younger people if, you know, if, if they're an artist. Yeah, okay. That, Okay, you don't want to go to college, but you should go to college and take an accounting class and you should take a class on how to run a small business and any other business classes, because I did not do that. And I'm horrible with numbers to this day. I'll never get it right. But um, that's what that's my advice is if you don't want to go to college, but you want to start your own, say, pottery business or this or that, learn how to do the accounting, learn how to run the business. It's so important. It's the most important. It means failure or success. That makes that is such great advice because I know the, 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 that part of it is not usually in the fun, you know, creative brain of the artist. And so it can crush them. And, and yes. I, I guess it, and it moves them away from their craft in some ways. And so I think that's really amazing advice that you've had to do in the school of hard knocks. You've had to learn it as you go. Um, well, I, what I've learned is that I need to hire somebody to do it for me. There you go. Good. <laughs> the accounting. Even smarter, even smarter to outsource yeah. in that way. And if we go to the anvil, Molly, take us to an event or decision that forged you a defining moment that shaped your destiny. If there's any that stand out for you. Um. Hmm. That's a tough one. I don't know. Um, meeting Paul, I suppose, yes. was the defining. Yeah, that was really the defining. Yeah, and um, you know, he gave me so many opportunities that I would not have been able to do on my own at that point in my life. Um, traveling all over the country and immediately, immediately doing the finest craft shows in the country. These aren't craft shows where they sell handmade soap and doilies. Right. These are craft shows where they're selling Josh Simpson glass and, you know, your woodworker friend and the top of the line. These are the masters in their field. And the masters. 
And from the time I was like 31, which doesn't seem that young, but for me, I always, yeah, that's, that was my start when um, I got to meet all of these wonderful artists all over the country and see these beautiful crafts and understand that, um, you know, everybody doesn't, you know, everybody's not an accountant or a bookmaker or, you know, you've got art in you. You mm-hmm. just have to work on it if it's a passion. That's right. And that's what these people do. It's it's passion. And you can feel the energy at these craft shows. Yeah, so okay. Paul, intru- Paul introduced me to that on a national level. Wow. And that was really important. Um, I think one of the other, one of the biggest things next to that was the fact that I got into, after Paul passed, I started getting into the Smithsonian Craft Show in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which if, if you ask any fine craft artists, what show would like would they want to get into? They would say the Smithsonian. It's the top. That's great. The top. That's great. And I started getting into it, and I got into it seven times after he passed away. And, um, you know, I'm very, very proud that I was able to do that. But I still remember that if it weren't for Paul, I wouldn't have been in that show because I was recreating his designs. I've designed a few styles on my own, but his styles are just so elegant and timeless. We don't need, you know, it's not like I'm a Stuart Weitzman who has to do a new show every year. You know, we've got these beautiful styles that are timeless. They really are. They really are. And it's up, coming up on what, a hundred years. And you, yes. see, you see them now and you say, wow, how drop dead gorgeous are these shoes? And you can see, I've yep. never put one on and I'm so excited to one day study with you and learn this because it's like, you can feel, okay, based on a moccasin with the low heel counter and it just, but the beauty and the style and, and the utilitarianness of this all coming together, why would you want to change it? It, it, what what right. you're doing is you're you're the steward of this amazing process. Well, they're different than any other handmade shoes that I've seen in in my lifetime because they're hand sewn. The uppers are made separate, then the soles are made, and I have three different machines that do channeling on the soles. Okay, and then there are holes in the top of the shoe, there are holes in the sole, and then they're laced together and they all match. And the colors are so beautiful. That, yeah. yeah, I do. And and the way that you can put them all together, it, yeah. it just it, you know, it's so beautiful. All the different uh, elements, but it, it but it's also there's a, there's a simplicity to the elegance to it. It seems yeah. you know, and the fact that a, a student now you you send a kit to the student, and the student can do a lot of work on their own and send it back to you for finishing. Is that correct? correct. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing that, that that can happen. And, and it's been happening since the Great Depression. So that's uh, yeah. now if we look at your journey now, Molly, what's most important to you now? What does the road ahead look like for you and what's next? Um, let me see. Well, I retired from craft shows in 2017. OK. And in 2015, I kind of like dipped my toes in the water with this teaching gig. And the first school I taught at was um, in Grand Marais, North House, in North in Minnesota. And that came about because I had an apprentice, this lovely gal from Minnesota, came out to study with me for four months. And she said, oh, you should try teaching at a school. So um, doing the craft shows up until 2017, I just got to the point where I was ready 
you know, I was in my late fifties and I was ready to really try something different. And the schools just seemed the inevitable place for me to be. And now I'm teaching, well, COVID kind of knocked things around a little bit, but um, this year I'm teaching at five schools in um, North Carolina, Maine, Minnesota, and uh, two times in North Carolina. And there's another school I keep forgetting, but they're all folk schools, pretty much folk crafty schools. So I'm doing that. And then I'm also getting back into my handbags. Oh, great. Fabulous. Yep. Yep. So that's where my career is now. Full circle. That's beautiful. And if we look at your slipstream, thinking about any parting gems of advice you'd like to leave for us today, any bits of wisdom or advice for us out here? Well, I think that, um, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, I'm able to say, and I can say it out loud that I have some talent and I I like to apply it. Um, but also that I'm inspired by younger people who want to come and watch and see what I do and, and learn themselves. And, um, I've had a wonderful, uh, shoemaking apprentice, for three years now. And uh, one of my best joys with him is that we got a grant through the New Hampshire State Council on the Arts. And he was able to make start to finish a pair of boots for himself with little of my help. And so I call that success. That is really success to see that the next generation first has a sensibility and a, and a, and a, and a wantingness to do this. And then that that you're getting young craftsmen like Josh in there and studying and wanting to pass this on. So I think that's very beautiful. Yeah. Molly, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Intrinsic Drive. We so much loved having you and please go in the liner notes here, go to her website, take a course. I'll be taking a course as soon as I can. She's at these craft shows that we'll list here And Molly, thanks so much for coming to Intrinsic Drive. Well, thank you, Phil. It was really fun. It's always fun talking about yourself. (laughs) Oh, no. It's fun having you. I know. (laughs) You're amazing. Thank you for coming. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate you opting in, subscribing, and reviewing us for thumbing us up and following us on socials, liking us. We like you. Drop us a note. Tell us what stories move you. For books, videos, resources, and more information, visit us at whartonhealth.com forward slash shop Wharton Health. And be sure to join us for the next episode of Intrinsic Drive.